Okay. Hey everybody, Frank Aaron here, and I'm back with my good friend Gary Beck, and today we're going to have some fun. It's going to be educational fun, but it's also going to be a bit silly fun. I'm going to talk about poop and pooping and, and poopy and all kinds of poop talk here. We've actually brought a, a chart with us. We're going to show you how to identify, uh, actually in all seriousness, what your poop <laughs> looks like and, and I guess acts like, in a sense, so that you know if you're healthy or not. And the, the, the gut is intricately, like, we think of the gut as this sort of mix master, the central processing facility between what we ingest, it's in the, it's the middleman between what we ingest through our mouths and what we excrete through our, our, our various front sides and back sides here. Um, Gary, pooping, why is, I mean, people don't make a big deal out of it yet, it's kind of a really good barometer of your health and maybe we should make a little bit more of a, uh, a big deal out of it. I mean, when we're kids, we're all so proud of what we just did in the, in the toilet. And as we're adults, we just like, uh, you know, done, done flush, but it's really a barometer or a weather vane, if you will, of uh, how our internal system is functioning. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is, Frank. And yeah, it's a bit of a funny topic to talk about for a lot of people. There are lots of sort of, well, you can't go there. It's a little bit of a, we just push that aside. But that's one of the reasons there's a problem. Um, if we consider as a child, for example, a newborn, a baby, they poop at will. You know, they'll be pooping left, right and center any hour of the day. And that's what yeah. the body really is designed to do. Unfortunately, as we get a little bit older and we get put into routines, um, school or, or further on when we're getting a, into a job, right. is you can't just poop any time. You need to manage and control that. And that's okay to a certain extent. But for some people, that, that sort of starts the, the, the problem. And one of the reasons why I feel it's really important to talk about this subject, Frank, is because we know that on the statistics regards things like colon cancer for, for the US, for New Zealand and Australia, they're right up there. They are, you know, if not the most common cancer, within the top five most right. common cancers. So there's something, there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. We need to know why that's happening. And there are some quite simple things when it comes to uh, our poop. So you've talked, you know, I think the question is, how important is it to poop regularly? Well, it is very important to poop regularly, because quite simply, it's, it's, a, it's a simple mathematic equation. If you're eating two or three times a day, ideally, you should be pooping two or three times a day. Well, I'm getting ripped off, Gary. I want, I want, <laughs> I get some good reading in the morning to put it delicately, but you know, after that I'm, I'm done. So I yeah, guess well, you know, more roughage. Is, yeah. There's, there's quite a few things that will impact on how often we're pooping, how well we're pooping, what we're pooping and, and all the different aspects of poop. So um, why does it matter so much health wise? though? like, as long as you get the stuff out of you, at some point, in some fashion, does it really does it really matter? I mean, I know the stuff's bad for you. That's why you're getting rid of it. It's like the stuff that you're done and finished with, and it should be discharged. But like, people are like, you know, we talked last time about laxatives and this and that, and and not relying on them. But why is it so important? Like, why why does it matter? And what part does your gut play in all this? Well, 
the the most important part is quite simply we our poop is waste material right and like in the home if you were to collect your garbage from the kitchen and put it into the back of your office for example instead of out into the garbage can or, or off for collection so that that little pile of waste in the back of your office is going to start to smell a little bit it's going to start to grow things it's going to potentially uh, change into something that's not only going to smell pretty bad but actually could be harboring lots of bugs oh it's and a breeding ground yeah it's a breeding ground that's the same with our gut yes we've got this whole family of bacteria that reside within us their job is to break down the food and to get it into modified particles so that part of it we can uh, uptake as nutrient and the rest can be eliminated right but if we are not eliminating regularly then the potential for that bundle of waste that's almost ready to chuck out to the garbage collector it stays there, it stays in the gut or it stays in the lower part of the bowel and it, it itself can actually fester. So the longer our transit time and the longer that that waste stays in the gut, right. the more potential there is for some of those pathogens to change into not so friendly pathogens. And that's one of the issues. So we have this term, we, we refer to the term as endotoxins. So endogenous, toxins that are so toxins that are produced within our system i'm looking on my other screen here while we're doing this because i find it fascinating so you're talking about like throughput uh the time the, the the processing time from the time we ingest till the time we eliminate so there's yeah. a reason like there's a reason our bodies take a certain is it fair to say like i'm just curious there should be a certain amount of time from you you eat something to the time you get rid of it. Yeah, for sure. you don't want to you don't want to hanging around for a week, right? That's no good. Exactly, exactly. And of course, we are individuals, so that that transit time will vary quite a lot from person to person. But in general, you know, consider that the time taken to eat, process, digest, and eliminate. Say it would be normal to do that whole cycle in eight to ten hours eight to ten hours that's what i'm seeing over here so but some stuff it's, it's it's if i'm reading correctly some stuff seems to take like maybe a day or two or yeah for sure yeah there's different types of uh foods of course are going to be processed in different speeds so you right. consider a a piece of white bread for example, so it's it's already been so the wheat and so forth to make the bread has already been milled and processed, so it's refined. All the, all the good stuff's taken out of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, all the fiber basically has been eliminated, and it's just the, this white stuff. It's not real bread, is it, Gary? Why don't you just call it tell it like it is, babes? <laughs> well, some people call it white poison. Yeah, white poison. So white flour, white sugar, white poison. And I guess there's a, there's a reason for that. You know, it, it's not really a, a nourishing food for most of us. Yes, if it's, if it's maybe uh, grown and harvested organic flour, organic wheat, and, you know, stone mills, then it's perhaps going to have some better qualities. But the highly processed, refined stuff that, of course, bakers are obliged to put nutrients back into the flour. You know, in New Zealand, for example, they put um, folic acid 
back into well that's why they call it enriched enriched bread because you're basically starting with crap and you have to throw a little bit of something in there to make it even passable i guess right yeah that's right that's right so the the wheat originally was this wonderful whole food with all the supporting nutrients and cofactors and it's milled and milled and processed and refined all the good stuff's taken out they leave this white crap poison oh that doesn't really do us very good so they've got to add some synthetically produced vitamins back into it to make it more healthy and wholesome for us. It, it's kind of backward thinking in my, my mind, but that's, that's the food processing um, technology that's used. And that's what most of us are exposed to. Now, let me ask you a question because you're talking about white bread. Is it fair? Am, am I thinking right in that the, the crap food hangs out the longest in your body? And therefore, that's a problem, or does it does it vary? Is there like a, you know, different well, speeds of throughput, like between something good or and something bad for you, or processed foods or natural foods, or well, potentially those processed foods are going to be broken down and processed more rapidly through our digestive system. Remembering that the the milling and the refining is essentially a part of the digestive process. Oh, so you're not, you're not, you're not, you're, you're, I don't want to interrupt it, but I guess what you're, what I mean, you're going to say is you're not really giving your body anything to work on. So you're eating and it's just like, you know, there's nothing here. Let me get rid of it. Yeah, it is. And on another subject on, on this kind of food, if we're talking about white flour and we consider the problem with obesity or the other term that I like to use is diabesity, where we've got this obese and diabetic kind of condition and the adult onset diabetes, which is uh, epidemic these days, it's because of thing, foods like the white flour. What it causes is that we eat it and very quickly our body gets a sign, oh, we've got some stuff which is kind of close to sugar almost. It's, it's, it has a, the similar effect of sugar in our blood. Right. So it actually pushes up our blood glucose really rapidly. And, and, that's, course, not, and that's not good. You don't want that. We don't want massive rapid rises and spikes. No, that's right. So because it's refined and processed and almost in that ready-to-use form, the body quickly um, processes it. It quickly drops this glucose spike into the blood. And that's... Our body gets a signal, oh, hang on, we need some insulin. So our body sends a little signal down to the pancreas saying, oh, we've got the blood sugars going up, guys. We need some insulin to help bring it down. So that's the role of insulin. It helps to keep the blood sugar level where it's supposed to be. So just reading here, and, and if, if, you're do, if you're doing that, aren't you making your own diabetes in it, in it, or, or kind of banging against the, shaking, shaking the, the tree a little bit for some diabetes to fall off at you at some point? If you're for, like, in other words, if you're flooding your system with these highs and these lows and these sort of alarms that are being repeated over and over and screwing around with everything inside are you not causing yourself a problem you you are frank setting is, yourself up for is it fair to say setting yourself up for success for not for success but setting yourself up for diabetes right you, you, yeah exactly you're right on right on the button the the sad fact is that adult onset diabetes type 2 diabetes is in the vast majority of cases completely avoidable it's a completely um, a lifestyle diet related condition and we see this time and time again those people that are put into that place where they're all of a sudden diagnosed with 
type two diabetes. Right. If they take that on board and change their diet and lifestyle, there is the ability for them to actually reverse that well, condition. Yeah, I, I know that because a good friend of mine, uh, I won't name names, but uh, he got diagnosed and he's like, screw that. I'm not having that. And he went in and uh, basically reversed it. You know what I mean? Cool. Yep. It and it's just through diet and stuff like that. He didn't do anything. It wasn't like he turned into like uh, eating hickory nuts and, um, you know, tofu and, sp and sprouts all the time. But he, he's like, I don't want to die, so I, I don't want to lose a leg or have diabetes or anything like that. So he's like, you know, I'm just going to eat more sensibly and fix my own, uh, fix my own stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's great. Well done for him, and it just shows that that when you decide to make a change for more positive outcomes, oh, then yeah. those things can be achieved. And and we see this time and time again. Unfortunately, a lot of people that are sort of stuck in the the orthodox medical model, they get the diagnosis, they're given, you know, a drug, something like metformin or something else, and then they sort of progress down that same path without making any significant changes to what they're doing and what they're eating. And so they go into that category of not only developing full-blown diabetes. Well, now you're jacking yourself up. With risk, yeah, increasing the risk of everything from cardiovascular disease, uh, dementia, cancer, you name it. So the risk of all of those conditions increases with the diagnosis of diabetes. Well, so, isn't it isn't it fair to say that you're you're creating a problem and then you become addicted to the? It's not a solution, but you come become addicted to the thing that mm, ma 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 mask. Like we talked about putting a plaster on stuff. Yeah, that's um, it. certainly not getting to why it's occurred in the first place. Uh, well, that's what I mean. And not, now all of a sudden you're hooked on the, um, you're hooked on, like, oh, I have diabetes, so I have to go to the doctor and he's giving me this stuff and he's giving me this and that and I'm on this medicine and, oh, I must watch myself. And I think what we're saying here is you never really get to the bottom of, you never really get to the bottom of, like, why the hell did you have the diabetes to begin with? Shouldn't you yes. be? The drug ain't the cure. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't you be? Shouldn't you be like, you know, taking a step back and saying, "Well, how and where did I get this, and why did I get this, and what can That's we it. do if to, to 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 sort it and stuff like that?" Yeah, for sure. That that would be the the nice thing. And uh, in some cases, medical practitioners do talk to people in that realm in that fashion, but. From my experience, there are a lot of practitioners that simply don't have the time for that. So they write the prescription, here you go, take this drug for the rest of their life and carry on. So that's that's not going to address it. That's not going to help that person in the long term. And it's just a slippery slope. But yeah, what you know what you're saying before about the sort of the white bread um, highs and lows, in a sense, what happens when you're going down that path and this is a very simplified version, but basically you're, you're pushing the pancreas to a point where it just gets tired. Right. You, know, you, you eat something that's, that's from refined foods, it causes a spike in the, in the blood sugar, the signal goes out, okay guys, let's ramp up the insulin production, so insulin's dropped in the blood, the blood sugar comes down, and then 
an hour later you're eating some other cookie or some other snack. Oh, there's a there's a spike again. And so it's this constant push, push, push. And and essentially the pancreas gets tired. The pancreas just, ah, oh, geez, give me a break, you guys. You're, be you're and, beating the hell out of the thing, right? Yeah, it just can't continue. And yeah, that's when the drugs are prescribed, but that's when dietary changes and lifestyle changes can really overcome that and shift things around. So go going back to like the, the throughput, we're, yep. we're, we're saying that though, and I, I, I must have, I guess I had it in my head wrong, is that the bad stuff hung around sooner but hopefully you're i mean hung around longer but hopefully your body's smart enough to say this is this food is crap let me get rid of it and there's nothing and besides that there's nothing here to take out of it anyway so yeah, it's, it's 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 yeah. not going to sit in your is it not going to sit in your gut as long and hang out as long because there's nothing to well be done with yeah, that's it or? a strange thing that's a strange thing frank it, it's going to be processed more rapidly through the system but of course, because there's no fiber and no, no real substance to that, that right. death, there's nothing to push it out. And this is where we need the different types of fiber, of course, to bind it up. So, uh. it. so your stool actually consists of uh, liquid, right. fiber, the different types of fibrous components in our diet, which are okay. water soluble and fat soluble and all sorts of variations. And a very large part of what ends up in the toilet bowl is actually bacteria. I read that too. That's fascinating. So yeah, really, you know, the, in fact, the majority of, of the stool is made up of bacteria. So that's is the other side of this, Frank, is that consider that every time you, you go for a dump, that's actually bacteria that you're eliminating. And we know that bacteria within our system are really important. So that's why we need to be doing things to help with the ongoing life cycle and proliferation of all the, all the different bugs in our body. So going back to, we're going to get to the cool part of this, the fun part of the show with the poop chart and everything. So um, basically if you're eating garbage, you're overworking your system Potentially, if it's high sugar, high carbs, high all the stuff, you're, you're, you're beating the hell out of your pancreas, which is no good. That's going to give you health problems. And then what you're saying is the stuff gets processed, but not eliminated. It gets, it gets yeah. you get a backlog because you've got no fiber to kind of push it on nothing down there. the lane and out the back yeah. door, right? Yeah, there's nothing there to hold its hand and go out the back door. That's right. Yeah. So if, if, this stuff's no good, if this stuff's no good for you to begin with, Certainly, keeping it hanging around—it's bad enough you're eating it. That's a—that's a one punch, and the one-two punch is keeping it inside of you. After it's done, you certainly, at a minimum, no good, and certainly, po quite possibly, harm. You know, at the other end of the spectrum, now you're just sitting there collecting this this crap, for lack of a better term, and you're not getting rid of it right away. That just common sense would dictate that can't be good for your body, Gary. I mean, as a layman, I can even tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's like a lot of things. There's got to be that balance. There's got to be the balance of the right types of components within the within the diet, which right. in, the, in the poop, and without that balance, things are just not going to work as well as they ought to. So, shall we see if we can bring up this chart? Yeah, and this is the poop chart. There's like an international standardized poop chart, boys and girls, that you're about to see here. So prepare to be both astounded and amazed. And um, 
It's important. It's, it's a barometer. It's a way of looking down conveniently and seeing, oh, you know, am I on track? Am I off track? Am I doing good? Am I doing bad? So we've got yep. seven types of, of, of stool here. They call it stool. For the sake of continuity, we'll call it poop here. So yep. that, no, that number one doesn't look like fun, Gary. That's going to hurt. Something's wrong with my system if I'm passing, passing like these hard pellets, like, a, like, a, yep. like an off-brand rabbit. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not good. Yeah, it's not good. We're not a rabbit. We're not a sheep. So our poop shouldn't look like that of a rabbit or sheep. And uh, yeah, so this chart was, um, so Bristol stool chart or Bristol poop chart, as we like to refer to it as, was uh, the result of, I think, a, a medical university over in the UK. And it's become a, a general international um, standard. And so you're saying somebody went to school for this is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was paid lots of money to create this, Frank. So I'm not sure. I'm sure there were studies many, and, and placebos. And... But, yep. And so, essentially, it's quite simple. So basically, if we look at the top half of the chart, and, and certainly particularly the um, one, two, and three, we've got um, versions of constipation, versions of not enough fiber, not enough liquid, and just not the right foods, and probably a, a degree of dysbiosis or, or um, a, the wrong type of bacteria in the wrong you kind know, of ratio. You're sexy when bacteria. you use those big words, Gary. Did oh, you say well, dysbiosis? Dysbiosis, yeah. Using uh, the big words now. So, it's, it's, carry I'm, on. I'm, lo I'm sorry, I'm looking at number one. Like That's a problem right there. That does not look like a normal poop. And a good thing, boys and girls, is you can look down whenever you go and you start noticing these things and you could, it's, a, it's a barometer. It's a way of saying, am I on track? Am I doing okay? Am I, am I not doing okay? Because your body's giving you feedback. It may be silly to talk about poop, but it's real-time feedback as to how you're doing, how, how your insides are doing. And that, yep. that type one, Gary, that, that's, that seems a problem to me. That's somebody that's really dehydrated. Is it constipated is what you're telling me, the type yep. one? Yep, so you've got those, as I say, type one, two, and three. Part of the problem with these is that we've got, um, how do I put this? This is getting quite delicate now, Frank. We've got where we, where we actually eliminate. So our anus, our rectum. Right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little, um, you know, the end of the tube is only a particular size. Right. So with potentially these, these uh, early parts on this poop chart is, they're massive. So the bits, the little chunks that are coming through are not only dry and hard and potentially can scar and rip and, and tear the inside of the uh, intestinal wall, right. but the sheer size causes a problem. So you can imagine, so, so some people that sort of uh, might have hemorrhoidal tissue or stuff like that, the sphincter is already compromised because of this restriction and then you get this really hard coarse lumpy uh, um, fecal matter that simply tries to stretch and rip that part of the body so it's, yeah. it's not only potentially causing um, ongoing mechanical damage to that part of the body it just is bloody hard work so you know well, why would you really want to be there it can't it can't be fun and it can't be healthy because like I mean, there, if, you're, if, if you're gonna do any damage to your body, do it like hang gliding or skiing or something fun, not just because you're eating crappy food and you're not going to the bathroom right. That's kind of, you know, 
they say live hard, die young. I don't think I don't think they meant from constipation, Gary. You know what I mean? It's not it's not a way to go really. And it doesn't sound that ex exciting or enthralling, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and not only that, but but I'm I'm guessing, Gary, if it's a lot of work, you tend to do it less. You're going to yes. be in pain, so that's, that's going to have a knock-on effect. Going going for, I think it's safe to say, going back upstream here, it's going to have some knock-on effects. If you're not passing this stuff, if you're passing your your stuff and it's hurting, you're doing damage at the back end. But if you're also not processing it quickly and easily. There's got to be a cue or a backup or a log, <laughs> a log jam, pardon the pun. Um, well, if we can't have some fun with this broadcast, Gary, we're never going to have fun, right? But somewhere there's a traffic jam inside of you of yep. junk that you need to be getting rid of is our point. And that's just not good. And even number two, that looks like it's going to hurt when it comes out. Um, yep. It's sort of got not sharp edges, but it's got some rough edges. Um, we don't really want to, we really don't want to feel anything like that. Now, number three, we're kind of getting to where we want to be, but, but you tell me about number three, Gary. Yeah. Number three, it's, 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 uh, it's getting closer. So we can see that, that the food matter and the mixture is, is perhaps more functional to some degree. But once again, the, the sheer size is quite a concern. It's maybe not as big a problem as number two, type two, right. but it's, it's still a, a problem. And you hit, you said it just a moment ago, Frank. If this is something that is really hard to do or is really uncomfortable or causes pain or causes bleeding or whatever, then in your mind, you're going to, well, I don't want to do that as often. It's, it's painful. So you're setting yourself up with your thought processes to go and sit on the toilet even less often than your body might want to. So you've got a double whammy here. You've got the body's physical ability to eliminate is compromised. And now you've got this thought in you oh, well, I don't want to go and sit on the toilet today because it bloody hurts. So you've got this, this whole effect, which can then mean that instead of going maybe once every two or three days, you might only end up going venturing to the toilet once a week because oh that can't be good for you that's going to hurt like hell there's no good outcome at that point gary there's no good outcome no there isn't so yeah we we just need to to consider the the simple aspects of making sure that we're getting the right food in our diet which is generally more whole real unprocessed food getting a variety of different types of fibers so fibers from fruits and vegetables right. fibers from root vegetables are a little bit different uh, the you know the fiber in a in a lettuce leaf is going to act differently in the body to the fiber from a uh, beetroot or, or uh, right. carrot or parsnip so yeah so the different types of fiber uh, fiber one that i really like which is one is good old uh, flaxseed or linseed so the little right. brown hard seeds are actually a wonderful source of lots of nice components one is that it uh, is actually um, a mixture of both water soluble and fat soluble fiber so these things are all important for the ultimate end uh, effect um, no. and and essentially so what what should happen when your body's ready to poop you should be able to go to the toilet sit down job done not in five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, but it should be a natural process where as soon as you have it in your mind, okay, it's time to go to the toilet, sit on the, on the, on the throne, job done in a, in a minute or two, 
and you're out of there. Well, hold on a second, Gary, because I like to read my newspaper on my on my, ta on my phone when I'm doing this. So as do, as do probably the majority of people, Frank. Is that? Oh, look, we have here. We go. Check this out. I forgot to lock the door. Come here. We're gonna have our first cameo, Gary. <laughs> Say hi, to Uncle Gary in Australia. Hi, everybody. Hey, hi there. There's my three-year-old. All right, Delia, I'm on the I'm on the call. It's my fault because I didn't lock the door. I love you. I love you. Here, take this. Go lock the door, baby girl. Go before I have security escort you out. All right. Yeah, you can have a popsicle too. Don't just don't tell Uncle Gary. So that's what you, it's a great thing about broadcasting from a home studio, Gary. You got the cat, the dog, the kids all walking in. That's spectacular. That was a walk in. Now, let me ask you this. Number four is um, like if one and two are, are bad, and three is okay, four is good, five is okay, and six and seven are bad, or, or we, is, cause yeah, we don't want to be watery. There's no way we want to yeah. be all water. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah, I guess the four and five are, are where we kind of want to be. So okay. it, should be, it should be easy. What ends up in the toilet bowl should be a relatively smooth consistency, which means that our digestive system is processing what's going through efficiently and effectively. And it should be easy to clean up after the event as well. So the, you know, we, we all can put our hands up and say, well, yeah, I've had times when, it's not been much fun to clean up after the event. It, it's, uh, it's just happens from time to time. So yeah. if, if, you're at, if, if you're at number seven and you're breaking the sound barrier, Gary, you got a, you got a problem on your hands, right? You have. We have another, <laughs> Nora, I'm recording. Thank you. We've got another walk on. Gary, how come nothing fun ever happens at your place? My place is like an asylum. And well, you've got... We'll, we'll have to talk to the viewers about that off, off, uh, off camera one day. Frank. You're being recorded, Nora. Say hi to Uncle Gary and get out of my office, please. Hey, hi, Nora. It's a, he's in Australia, believe it or not. And there's people, good people watching all around the world. It's my 10-year-old Nora, by the way. All right, thank you, darling. I forgot to lock the office door. Love you. Bye. Boy, those kids, I tell you, that's my life right there, Gary, my kids. And uh, yes, it's, it's one, one of the reasons. Yeah, hard. one of Yes. What's well, one of the reasons I want to do more good for my body and be healthier is because I've got these kids who I adore. You know, we've got four foster children that we're adopting. I've got my own biological three. And taking care of my body, is so, as I get older, like we said on other um, episodes, you know, when you're younger, you can beat the heck out of your body and you don't really think about it. But when you're older, all of a sudden, you know, I'm 55. And like I said, just got diagnosed with Parkinson's. I'm like, oh, man. Could I have avoided this by changing something 20 years ago? Could I have, you know, fixed this? Or could I have headed this off at the pass or something like that? You know what I mean? And it's my, my kids and my family that this is the best thing that ever happened to me was having my kids, you know? Like, there's, there's nothing in life that are going to top my, my kids, you know? So that's, that's why, you guys, it's going to get back to the topic here. But having Delia and Nora walk in here reminds me it's, you don't, you don't just eat one bad thing and die unless you have really terrible luck, but it's death by a thousand cuts, isn't it, Gary? Like over a period of time, like the, the, the stuff I ate 25 years ago or did or didn't do 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago is the stuff that I'm paying the bill for today. That's it. Yeah, unfortunately, this is how it works here. Yeah, it's not going to be a immediate thing in most cases. 
it's going to be uh, something that is accumulative over time. Yep. So, yeah, so we, if we come back to that stool chart. Yep, yeah, so got number four. So hard or impacted stools is kind of a general um, um, term that we use. And, right. And, yeah, impacted or hard. So just consider that, you know, these lumps are hard, they're scratchy, they could be painful to pass, there's, there's the potential for bleeding. So, yes, none of that is, is going to be much well, fun at all. And not, not only that, Gary, but... Um, we're talking about as it relates to the gut and stuff and you're, you're worried about your body, not only discomfort of pooping something that's hard and hurts, but backing it up a step, going back into, in, into your internal workings of your body. That's telling you're not eating the right thing. You're not getting enough roughage. You're dehydrated. Perhaps um, you've, you've trained yourself to be constipated perhaps because like you said, if it hurts, not only is your conscious mind going to, going to say, Oh, I only want to, I'm going to poop less often to avoid the pain, but your unconscious mind is, isn't it going to do the same thing and kind of dial back your system yeah, somehow? For sure. Yeah. This is, this is kind of uh, similar to the placebo effect, but having the, the reverse um, on our body. Yeah. We're, we're going to have that thought is going to be propagating the physical uh, resistance to, to going and sitting on the throne for sure. Yep. So it's, 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 it's pain avoidance at the very yep. juncture where A, there should be no pain, and B, there should be no avoidance. Being yep. constipated is not natural. That's a process, is it safe to say it's a process of diet and, and, and liquid ingestion, you know, the food yep. that we're eating and the stuff that we're, you know, the amount of liquid that we're drinking? Yep, for sure, yeah, those, those all go into there. It's, it's all part of uh, what we need to create the balance within our, our digestive process in a whole. And, that, and remembering that's what we're referring to. This is part of the digestive process. Right. Yes, the elimination part of the cycle, but it's part of the whole process. So what's happening down lower is relative to what's happened earlier up, uh, back in the, in the chain of Right. Events. It's starting at your mouth and going down your esophagus and all into your stomach and, it, you know, working its way through your gut and out the back door and stuff like that. Every step of this matters. The choice of what you choose to eat matters, how much water you choose to drink matters, all the way through how easy you're making sure it is for you to be able to poop properly. You know, this is in a lot, for most people, it's in within their control. Um, In other words, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, but like laxatives shouldn't be required 99 times out of 100. I mean, I'm not a doctor and you're not a doctor, but it would seem to me that common sense would dictate if you're lubing the pipes and you're eating the right kind of roughage that's going to keep the pipeline going, you hopefully shouldn't have to rely on a laxative, which is an unnatural type of a product anyway. You're doing something that your body should be doing. Yeah, for sure. It can't be good for you. Yeah, yeah, there's very few cases where there's actually a mechanical issue. Right, right, that's issue. something, yeah. That, that's, that's minimal. So, yes, you're, you're right. It comes back to that same old stuff. Yeah, what are, you, what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you thinking? And what effect is that having on the whole process? So uh, you're, you're, saying so four is, you're saying four is good. Tell me about number five. So this is like number four, only what's been sliced and diced, it looks like, kind of. It looks, yep, it's yep, broken. So, so four is, is yep, you know, kind of normal, and this would be probably someone that's that's uh, there's another big red defecating, of course, once a day, 
the size is not unfriendly to the to the tube that it's trying to exit out of. Right. But someone with the perhaps in this uh, type with a slightly larger diameter stool is indicating. Okay, so what's that telling me? That's indicating that there's a slower transit time throughout the the system, um, and it could be that the 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 mix of the types of fiber is not quite right for that person. So stuff is staying in the gut longer, and hence a bigger um, or, or a larger diameter in the stool. But yeah, number five. So um, it's actually not too far off bad. In fact, five. It's it's sort of um, this is what we would see if someone's actually pooping two or three times a day, where it's it's uh, small amounts, it's easy to pass, there's no major mess, uh, and essentially the food comes in and something moves out. So it's this is sort of kind of pretty close to where the stress and strain of of actually pooping is completely eliminated. It's gone. For want of a better word. So, so, yeah. so wait, so five is what we want to be at, if we can be so at? Four to five are probably right. you know, where we want to be. Okay. And of course, it's going to vary. You know, we, we have, if we're eating a diverse range of foods and we're putting ourselves into different situations, then of course it is going to vary. That's, that's human nature. But sure. if we have a sort of consistency between these two types, then okay. that's going to be signs that our digestive system our elimination system are all working pretty pretty well and then six six how do you get six like how does that become a um well uh, yeah this is where you've gone to that place where there's this sign or signal that your body gets and you know oh heck i gotta rush to that toilet and right this is not going to be a great deal of fun at all it's it's going to be yeah, little little notice that it's time to go, and it's going to be probably pretty messy. So um, this is this is probably where the the Europeans with the design of a B day is pretty um, necessary and and uh, kind of a nice thing to have on hand because it's it's just yeah not fun. What what causes this? Like what what? So obviously from an intestinal disturbance standpoint, we know like if you get a stomach bug, you may get diarrhea, but yeah, what? it's so yeah, it's it's often going to be, it's partly as a result of this dysbiosis thing, but it, it indicates a sort of a hyperactive colon. So it indicates lots of um, uh, lots of things happening in the gut that just are sending the body all different directions. It doesn't really know how to do the job. It's getting the wrong signals at the wrong time, and uh, the 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 term here is hyperactivity. It could be uh, the wrong kind of foods which are pushing the mineral imbalance out right like for example too much uh, potassium could have this effect um, it could be sudden dehydration the body does the funny things when there's these changes uh, and um, even even spikes and things like blood pressure and so forth that are completely out of control which generally relates to mineral imbalances, could have this kind of uh, outcome. Really? So it's telling us that we need to look really closely at what's happening to our body. We need to be listening to the other signs and signals and ideally become very aware of, of things that aren't very um, coordinated or in sync right throughout the body. So although it's happening in the gut, 
it's indicating that there's probably other systems or organs that are struggling right now. And then seven is just, you've got, you, it's like Houston, we have a problem. You've got a mess on your hands yeah, here. We got a problem. So this is your, your, your good old trots or the runs or whatever you want to call it. Yep, diarrhea. And, yeah, what's, uh, let's take a look at what the technical definition is for that because I'm pretty sure it's diarrhea yeah, and uh, diarrhea. it's not something you want to have. And not only that, but I, I'm Googling here. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't diarrhea get you um, um, dehydrated? Like, Absolutely. doesn't it, isn't it because you have to use, um, like they'll have you drink Gatorade and stuff like that to get you back on track? Yep, yep, for sure. You need minerals. Yep. Maybe not Gatorade, but something that's going to supply the good something old with, electrolyte I'm, minerals. I'm Googling, like electrolytes. Um, yep, electrolytes, which are the four main minerals there, Frank, is magnesium, calcium, potassium, and sodium. And you need all of them. Yeah, I'm reading here, this stuff's not to be messed with, is it? Like if you're de dehydrated, you screw your, once again, you screw your whole body up, don't you? Yep, for sure. And, and the interesting thing is here, Frank, that so some people that have um, things like irritable bowel syndrome. Right, Crohn's or something can, like that. Well, yeah, the irritable bowel syndrome, people can swing from, from one side of the chart to the other, you know, from constipation to diarrhea. This is... This is sometimes what some people with irritable bowel experience. And there's a thing known as paradoxical diarrhea. So this is where someone has, is typically uh, experiencing impacted stools. So they're at the top of the chart. They're up at that sort of number one and two. Right. But because of other imbalances, they might be drinking, you know, good amounts of water. Stuff is blocked in this sort of early part of the large intestine, but the water, of course, is gravity fed and just goes down. So it sort of passes through somehow and gets through and, and causes this, this, this flood and this diarrhea condition. So it's an interesting one. It's, it's because the, the impacted stool is blocking a large part of the intestine, but the water managed to sort of squeeze through and accumulates in the rectum itself and this is where we get the, the runny diarrhea so okay. it's so a weird it's a weird conundrum where you would think that it the whole of the bowel is clear but that's not the case in this uh, paradoxical diarrhea the majority of the bowel is clogged up and the the waste itself can't come through but a little bit of liquid from what we're drinking ends up down at the bottom end of the chain so it's a it's a really thing a really weird thing that's not something you want to have. That doesn't sound like fun either, too. No, like none of this. I mean, it's good. You know, I'm looking. I'm not going to tell anybody here what what um what type I typically you know what my what my batting average is here, Gary. But I'm certainly going to be looking with a closer eye tomorrow morning. I'm pretty sure I know, and I'm fairly happy with the results, to put it delicately. But I would urge each and every one of you to just be sure of what's going on. And this is just like looking in the mirror, making sure you're you seem healthy, um, you know, making sure you're hydrated, um, things like that. Just really making sure that you're monitoring yourself because, you know, we do this in passing and we don't make a big deal out of it, but it is quite the barometer, Gary, as you say. And it's got a direct correlation to our, to our, our gut health, doesn't it? Like, and the gut is the central, like our central nervous system. So if the gut's screwed up, the rest of the body screwed up. Yeah, absolutely. So Everything you're pooping out came through your gut. So if you take a look at it, like we're saying here, that's feedback as to how am I it's doing? Probable. 
valuable feedback, valuable feedback for uh, not only telling you, okay, I'm eating the right food or I'm eating the wrong food. It's telling you how well your digestive system is processing things. Because of course, then, then so we've looked at the Bristol, Bristol stool chart or the, the poop chart. That was a fine chart, Gary. The, uh, it is, it's a great chart, I tell you. The other thing is that we're going to get color variations in the, in the poop as well. And that tells us a little bit of a different story once again. Uh, so what color was your poop this morning? This is something we can ask ourselves. And Are you asking we... me or is that a generic question, Gary? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I should be answering that. You can answer if you like, Frank. It's entirely up to you. But it's, it's another indicator. This has been such a fascinating call. I've actually managed to tangle myself up. Um, <laughs> You're just avoiding the question. No. I know. Yeah, yes. I'm going to go hide under my desk. No, listen, man, I, I take a good number two every morning and I'm proud of it. It's some of my, my reading time to get away from the noise, everything yeah. else. But color-wise, I mean, yeah, if it's green or something, like a bright green, I'm pretty sure you got you got something not good going on, right? Yeah, of course, there are some foods that we know will will result in a change right, in the color, right. like the urine and the stool. Um, for example, eating asparagus, we're going to get a change in the smell of the urine and the color of the urine. Right. Uh, eating uh, quite a lot of beetroot also could end up with quite a red stool. So, but in general, of course, our poop should be a kind of brown color, and the brown color is uh, indicative of a thing in our blood known as bilirubin. So the bilirubin, which is produced back in, in different parts of the system, uh, are broken down and that combined with the food and the bacteria create this brown color. So brown is now, a good barometer too, is what you're saying. Yeah, brown is where it should be. Obviously there are things where there could be signs that there's blood in the stool and that, that of course uh, is an alarm bell. So if there's uh, blood, as in a red color in the stool, then that's indicating that uh, there's potentially something happening quite low down in the intestinal tract. If there's dark stuff in the stool, uh, as in dried blood, then that's perhaps more of an alarm with something happening further up in the system. Well. And, and uh, that needs to be investigated, of course, that's a serious concern. But if your uh, stool is more uh, yellow, for example, then that's telling us that there's probably a problem with the liver and the gallbladder. Now, remembering, going back to your biology class, Frank, the liver produces bile. Right. Bile is stored in the gallbladder. So the gallbladder is this little uh, bottle or receptacle holding the bile so that when food comes to a certain point in the digestive tract, we've got... Uh, oh, we've got uh, a signal to, to dump some bile into the intestine. So the gallbladder releases the bile, that goes in and starts helping to, to do this digestive process. Now, if you're not producing enough bile, or you've got gallstones that restricts, or even just congestion that constricts the, the bile flow into the intestine, then you'll tend to have a more yellowy colored poop. And that's not a good thing either, then, is what you're and telling no, me. So that's not a good thing. No, the, the liver, of course, and, and the production of bile is fundamental for processing the food that we're eating properly. And, of course, we know that the liver is our main blood cleansing organ. So if it's not happy, that's uh, a place to do some work. We're pretty well screwed. 
Well, so, it definitely means that, yeah, there's, there's a reason for that. What's the reason? What do we need go. to put that? How do we clean up our liver and get our poop looking normal again? This is, I want to talk about the liver next episode. Let's take a break here and kind of wrap up. But I, I hope people found this, I hope you guys watching and listening found this fascinating because all kidding aside, man, like I say, it is a barometer. Um, and if you care about your health at all, you're going to care about your, your innards and making sure that they're functioning correctly. So yep. now we've got a dog barking. <laughs> Great, Gary. I, lo I love recording from home. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't got my grandkids here today too, because uh, my wife's just gone to spend a bit of time with them. They're they're probably waiting to come and uh, barge in on our recording. But anyway, it's all been calm and quiet at this end, so that's so. Really... We'll wrap but, up. We'll wrap so up yeah, here. Open up our internal um, organs and our poop is indicative of how efficient the system is working. And we can soon see from what ends up in the toilet bowl, do we need to change something? And that's what the message is. If there's something not right, it's time to change. And it's an easy enough change. And Gary, I'll be looking in the morning. I'll report back to you, brother, and let you, let you know how I did. And again, guys, we do this out of love. We do this out of caring. We do this out of concern for you. Please pay attention to your health. Take a good look tomorrow morning. Adjust accordingly. Proceed accordingly. Um, and Gary, we'll have some more to discuss about the gut on our next episode. And I want to thank you so much for all yeah. your help, all your advice. We get we do get on on these shows, don't we? There's a lot to cover, a lot of brainstorming, oh, and a lot of you know knowledge to be shared, if you will. Yep. It seems we we just keep on just scratching the surface. We we uncover another topic, and oh my gosh, there's all this information that that really ought to be out there. So yeah, thanks, Frank. It's it's been another good chat. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll do it again next time. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.